The sermon this morning is based on John 8, verse 12. We'll read that verse again, John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, light is wonderful. If you're in the light, you can see what's around you. And it's wonderful, for instance, in the sense of if you were, think of miners, miners who have been trapped underground for a long time without light. Those men become delirious with joy when they're delivered from the depths and brought out into the light again. don't know if you watched the news a number of years ago when men in Chile were trapped in a mine. How joyful they were when they came into the light. But light can also not be so great. Think of Robbers trying to break into a bank at night. They want to do that at night so they can't be seen, but suddenly a police searchlight shines on them and they're exposed and they're captured. Not not positive for them to be in the light. The Lord Jesus says in John 3, 20, everyone practicing evil hates the light. And does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. It can reveal things that somebody doesn't want to be seen. Light. In our text, Jesus, right after the incident with the woman caught in adultery, says to the people gathered around him, I am the light of the world. That's a wonderful description of who he is as the redeemer of his people. Those who follow him are not going to walk in darkness, as he also says, but will have the, the light of life. Like people coming out of a mine shaft in which they have been trapped. Someone like someone who breaks through the rock and rescues those people and leads them into the light. Wonderful. But don't think it's so easy to follow him Then, for that light, Jesus Christ himself is also a revealing light which exposes us all as sinners. And then, with that in mind, I preach to you our text for this morning with this theme, Jesus is the light of the world. His light is revealing in the first place, and in the second place, his light is liberating. First, Jesus' light is revealing, exposing. Earlier on, we we read a number of passages from the Gospel of John in which the Lord Jesus compares himself to light. Think of that passage from John 3. We just referred to it. And this this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. And John 9, verse 5, also the, the Lord Jesus says there, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
And John 12, 46, he says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. It's no wonder then that the Apostle John is so moved by that metaphor of Jesus as a light, so fascinated by that, that he begins his gospel by praising Jesus as the light of life which came into this world, which is so dark because of the fall and the curse of sin. And if you check the first letter of John, then you'll see that he writes there too in 1 John about Jesus as the light in the darkness. Now, it might be tempting to take those passages together and to explain in general what it means that Jesus is the light of the world, but if we want to go deeper, we have to take the context into account in which Jesus speaks of himself as the light. And that context is different in each case. And our text for this morning has a specific context that might help us to understand what Jesus meant with calling himself light of the world. The light of the world. You see, in the, in the previous chapter, verse 37, we're told that the Lord stood up during the Feast of Tabernacles or booths and called out to the people that if anyone is thirsty, they should come to him and drink. He, he proclaimed himself the, the water of life. And you see, on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, which we called the journey of Israel through the wilderness toward their promised land, there was a ceremony involving water. To illustrate the thirst for salvation, a priest went at the head of the people to draw water from a well, and he brought it to the temple, and he poured it out before God there in the presence of all the people. And that water ceremony was followed by a ceremony of light to recall that column of fire by which God led his people through the wilderness. They followed the light of that column of fire. And then that evening, that last evening of the, the Feast of Booths, the whole temple area was lit with lamps to stimulate the people to look forward to the light of God's salvation from sin he's going to lead them into his salvation and those ceremonies were followed by a feast that then that went long into the night well during that night of partying after those ceremonies of water and light a woman was caught in the very act of adultery sin seeks the darkness Maybe she got drunk and then went after a man who wasn't her husband. It doesn't say anything about the man involved. The scribes and Pharisees only brought the woman to the temple and to Jesus early the following morning as he was teaching people in the outer court of the temple. They wanted to test him. They wanted to hear what he would have to say about that woman. But the Lord Jesus looked right through the hypocrisy of those scribes and those Pharisees, those pompous gents. They figured they were so far exalted above that sister in the Lord. Think of the Pharisee who prayed alongside that, that tax collector in the temple in Jesus' parable. He looked up to heaven and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. 
Those teachers of the law were so convinced that that woman's dark sins contrasted so starkly with their own lily-white lives. Think of how the Apostle Paul described the attitude of the Jews, Romans 2. He writes there, Indeed, indeed you are called a Jew, and rest on the law, and make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve of the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. End of quote. You see, those scribes and the Pharisees, and, and Paul used to be one of them, they actually figured they were the lights in the darkness in this world. And that's the attitude they had when they came to Jesus and pushing that, that woman ahead of them, that woman caught in adultery. But they left with a whole different attitude than they came with. And only because Jesus said to them, you know, he's scribbling in the sand and he looks up to them and he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. The thing is with that single sentence, Jesus exposed those two-faced, self-righteous leaders of the Jews as just as bad and sinful as everybody else, including that woman caught in the act of adultery. In that one sentence, Jesus expressed what the Apostle Paul says to the Jews, also in Romans 2, right after the section we, we quoted before. He says, therefore, you therefore who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? The people who see themselves as the light in the darkness are actually themselves just as sinful as, as everybody else, as much in the dark as everybody else by nature. And it's Jesus who brings that to light. And see, that's how he comes to what he says in our text. He says there, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In other words, you think you are the light? I am the light which the darkness of sin has not overcome. Whoever doesn't believe in me remains in the darkness of sin and curse, even if he thinks he's so enlightened. The most enlightened people are revealed by me to be workers of darkness in themselves. So if you want to truly be free from the darkness of sin and the curse of sin, you need to be with me. And you need to follow me. And that's how Jesus reveals the true meaning of the light of God and his will and way which the Jews had lost sight of and which we can all so easily also lose sight of, right? Because you see, the Jews had waited a long time for the light from heaven, the light of God's salvation. And we mentioned before that their longing for that was encouraged by the Feast of Tabernacles every year. 
God promised to bring his people into the light of his salvation. His face would shine on them more brightly than ever before in the Messiah. He himself would be their light, lead them into the light of life. Think of the well-known prophecy of Isaiah 9 about God's promised salvation. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And how the believers in Israel look forward to the coming of that light. David composed Psalm 36, verse 9 about it. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. In other words, you, Lord, will shine the light of your salvation over our whole lives, and then we have the freedom to live again. We're not caught in the darkness of sin and death anymore. Unfortunately, the people understood less and less that God's light would bring salvation for them by, in the first place, exposing their sins and their sinfulness. When God lets his light shine in this world, he doesn't drive just away the darkness of his people's circumstances in the first place, like the gloom of oppression or sickness or poverty or loneliness or or death or so. Yes, the gloom of those circumstances will also be eliminated by his light, but God doesn't begin with those external circumstances when he brings light into the world. He begins with the inner life of his people by shining his life His light in the darkness of their hearts, which are by nature so selfish and rebellious and proud. Oh, you can can be a very enlightened person, better in behavior than so many others around you, a bright example to others in your walk and talk, but all your good qualities and behaviors pale in the light which Jesus Christ shines out. He brings to light how much darkness there still remains in each one of us. When he comes to us in the gospel, he shows us again and again how used to our sins we have become. When we think we're doing pretty good, his gospel again comes to us and and covers some more darkness in us. It shows that there, reveals that there is still darkness in each one of us. Even the most holy of us has only a small beginning of his love and obedience. And that's how the Lord Jesus was to the Jews when he was on earth. A revealing light. A revealing light. He is, as we confess in the Nicene Creed, God of God, very light of very light. What he spoke, what he did caused people to really see what was lacking in their motives and in their actions. Sinners like prostitutes and tax collectors saw themselves as they really are in his light. And they were moved to break with the works of darkness they were doing and to go to him. But the dark motives and the deeds of the scribes and the Pharisees were also brought to light by by Jesus. And they didn't appreciate that at all. They didn't want that. The thing is, as light of the world, Jesus illuminates 
what truly lives in the hearts. And that's humbling, isn't it? A lot of people today think that the gospel of Jesus Christ only functions something like a flashlight. You, You can use it to make your life happy and comfortable. That's how they read the Bible and listen to the preaching and and worship. Jesus is there to make them happy. Like the contemporary Christian music uh, singer, Kirk Franklin, recent number one gospel song, Want to Be Happy. The words, I just want to be happy, are repeated throughout the song, and Jesus is the one who can fulfill that desire to be happy. Jesus is there to make us happy. But the gospel of Jesus is not just a flashlight that, like that which just shows the way to be happy and comfortable. No, it's a bright searchlight which shines a revealing light into the deepest, darkest corners of our heart. And it shows what lives there, exposes the things you, you'd rather keep hidden in the dark. That light of Christ shines into your personal thoughts. It shines into your motives. It shines into your private home. Into your computer history. Into your smartphone, your bedroom, your bank account, all your dealings and activities. And congregation, when Jesus shines his light on our lives, then it truly becomes visible how much selfishness, how much pride, how much lovelessness, how much envy there still lives inside us, even though most of us have belonged to his covenant and church from infancy already. And it's not a negative thing, congregation. It's not a negative thing. Because Jesus Christ did not come to condemn the world. Came to save it. And therefore that light, when it shines on those, those things, brings us to, to seek more and more the redemption from our sins, which he has worked for us by his perfect obedience and his atoning death. And that brings us to the second part of the sermon. Jesus' light is then, therefore, liberating, redeeming. So that searchlight of Jesus isn't comfortable to people who are confident in themselves and in their own righteousness, like those scribes and Pharisees who brought that adulterous woman to Jesus. They might want to get away from that light as far as possible. Oh no, I don't, I don't want that to show, show what's inside me. Those Jewish leaders, in fact, ended up wanting to extinguish the light of Jesus Christ. It says at the end of John 8 that they eventually took up stones to throw at Jesus, but he blinded them and he walked right through them out of the temple again. But they only hated him more and more intensely as the light shone into their lives. And that's what happens when people don't want their sinful nature and sinful thoughts and deeds to be exposed. And they don't want to deal with that. 
they, they become hateful towards Christ. Hateful towards his word. Hateful towards his people, his church. I'm afraid we see this today. Army chaplains and prison chaplains are beginning to be screened and denied positions if they hold that homosexual relations are a sin. Well, eventually the leaders of the Jews became so intense in their hatred that they pushed ahead and succeeded in putting Jesus to death on a cross. And they figured, okay, we've extinguished that light. But the opposite actually happened, right? The light, his light, the light of his gospel only shone brighter and shone out beyond the nation of Israel to the ends of the earth. And today nobody can extinguish that light anymore. The darkness cannot overcome it, cannot comprehend it. On the contrary, Jesus' light will in the end ultimately drive all the darkness from the earth to such an extent that as John writes in Revelation 21, there will be no need of sun, moon to shine over the new Jerusalem for the glory of God illuminates it and the Lamb, Jesus, is its light. And that means it's no use trying to extinguish the light of Christ today. On the contrary, let it shine into yourself. Listen to that word. Listen to his gospel. Jesus Christ calls us in our text to follow him so we walk in the light of life. Think again of those miners trapped underground in the darkness. The rescuer comes with a bright lamp and he's going to lead the way out of that darkness. And those men, if they want to come out of that darkness, they have to follow him. If they don't, they, if they stand still, it's just going to get darker again as the light goes on. It's going to be completely dark again. They have to follow that light if they want to be free of that dark mind shaft and be above in the sunlight. Jesus doesn't want to destroy us with his revealing light. He wants to liberate us from the dark bonds of sin and curse. He came not to condemn the world, but to save. To save those who look to him. Therefore, he tells us in our text to follow him. And then we won't walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. And it'll become brighter and brighter for us. The scribes and the Pharisees, they left one by one. Jesus' revealing light was too uncomfortable for them. Let him who is without sin throw the first stone then, Jesus said. They preferred to hold on to their sins, even though the promised Savior stood there right in front of them in that temple, in the temple court. But that woman caught in the act of adultery, she stood there yet, probably ashamed and uncertain. And Jesus said to her, has nobody condemned you? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, if she had also walked away, 
she would have walked right back into darkness again. But Jesus says, follow me. She needs to follow Jesus to give her life over to him. Let him decide the way she's going to live from now on. Like the Savior in the mind. Trust the light. Follow it. And then that woman would walk right in the light of his grace and she'd have the light of life. See, whoever walks in the light of Christ at first is going to blink their eyes a number of times. See, when you come out of out of a mine shaft and into the bright, you're going to blink. But over time, you'll discover that following the light of Christ is liberating. You see things more and more as they also really are in yourself and in the world around you. You see life in the right perspective again. You see how deceitful the works of darkness really are, even though they seem so appealing. You see how destructive sin is. You see that in the light. You see that the sins will only drag you to eternal destruction and darkness. And then at the same time, you see how how wonderful it is to live out of God's grace in Christ and to let yourself be led by his word and his will. To walk in the darkness without the light of Christ is to not really know where you're going at all. You just stumble around in the dark and you don't see the dangers and the enemies around you. But when you follow Jesus Christ, the light, you see the dangers, you see the perils, and you see the way everlasting ahead of you, the way of life. And then you love the light. You want to let it shine over your whole life. You want to get rid of whatever even reminds you of the darkness out of your life, out of your heart. And you want the light to shine in there. And to do that, you open then the gospel too, the gospel of Christ. Because that word in itself is light-bearing too. You don't want to leave your Bible closed for a day because then the darkness starts to creep in again. No, you want to follow your Savior. Walk in his light, the light of his gospel. More and more walk as he walked. And then you'll also be a light to others around you. Shine the light of Christ in this world. And then the first rays of the light that are going to fill the whole world in the end will already be shining in your life. Brothers and sisters, including you, two young people and boys and girls, Our text this morning is then a call to choose. Are you going to choose to crawl away in the darkness? Draw the curtains of your life shut in order to keep the gospel of Christ out of your life? Or are you going to let the light of Christ shine on your life and in your heart and let your sins come to light so that you can bring them to him And follow him toward the brighter and brighter light of God's glory. The Lord Jesus wants you to choose. He wants you to choose today again too. Which will it be? Darkness or light? Amen. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, thank you for showing us that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And yes, that Jesus is the light means that our our sins will be exposed too. Help us not to be afraid of that, but to, to know that he exposes the darkness in us, the sins in us, so that we can bring them to him for forgiveness. And we pray that we don't walk away from him then as those teachers of the law in John 8, but then we, that then we also follow him, the light of the world, to the brighter and brighter light which is coming, the glory of everlasting life in your presence. And Father, in the meantime, let us then also be lights in this world, reflecting the light of our Savior. And for his sake we pray all this. Amen.